<laughs> so in the beginning, so there's like suffering in the beginning, I think. For me, there was. Yeah. In the beginning, it was tough. And I had, and I was young and I had friends that had started um, entry-level positions. And, and as we got older, they started to make more money and move up the corporate ladder. And that's a great, that was a great path for them. And there were times in my life where I thought I had made the wrong decision because I hadn't made it yet. Because success, I think in general, and, and at least I think in real estate too, even though you're always stacking bricks and trying to buy more properties and get your cash, success doesn't really do like, it doesn't really go like this. It kind of does like this. And then you spike up and, and you kind of do that. You spike up again. And so uh, there were times in my life where I was, you know, doing this for so long that I started to lose faith yeah. and it's difficult. And, and, and I stuck with it. And eventually I got up to there where for me, I, I can, I can, um, I still need to work, but I guess I could work less if I really wanted to and try to live off my properties. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Creating Wealth Podcast, where I, Kyle, from Kyle Curtin Real Estate, interview local top dogs in the real estate investing, wealth building, and personal finance industries. Let's build together. What's up, guys? The guest on this week's episode of the podcast is doing some huge things in the local private lending space. Michael has been in several different parts of the real estate industry over his career, from being a real estate agent, to an investor, to a private lender. In this first of two-part interview, Michael and I get to talk about some pretty big topics to set you on a great path to doing great things as a real estate investor. In this episode, we get into mentor relationships, the insane power of building a presence on social media and putting yourself out there, making it through the learning curves in the beginning of the journey, and so much more. There is so much to learn from this episode, and I hope you enjoy. Let's jump right into the episode. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 65 of the Creating Wealth podcast. Today, we get the great pleasure of chatting with Michael Garrity, the managing partner for RF Boston, an above-average private lender in the Boston area. What's going on, Michael? How are you, man? What's new? Hey, thank you so much for having me. How are you? I am great. The pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. So, Michael, you know, to to kind of jump right into things, you know, like, what do you do? Like, if you could tell me a little bit about like RF Boston, like your backstory, sure. your sure. your humble beginnings. <laughs> so RF Boston stands for real estate finance mm -hmm. and we do private lending. And I'll, I'll jump back and say, cause we, we talked a little bit before yes. we went live and I have a similar background though. You're starting before me, but I have a similar mm -hmm. background. So, uh, you're 20, 21. 21. Yeah, you're starting way before me, Steve. Really. <laughs> you got like you're gonna be a ninja by the time you're 30. But when I when I was a when I was about 30, I and, and prior to that I was a bartender, um, bartending in Boston. And I wanted to do, and we talked about this before, I wanted to go into the entrepreneur, entrepreneurial like you know, direction. Yeah. And I see that and I look at real estate, and those those really go, I think they're like kind of a an easy marriage, right? 
it's because we had talked about it. So you're buying a three family in Lemonster. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. This is your first house. Yes. And you get great leverage on that. You're getting a uh, 96.5% leverage if you do an FHA loan. Yeah. Or if you wanted to buy a business like a restaurant, that's a tough sell, right? You buy a restaurant for 500 grand and you need like 500 grand because you can't get any leverage on it. And then you need a ton of startup money. And there's probably not, you don't even know if the income is going to come in. You kind of have almost set income because you know what the market rate is in, in Lemonster, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was bartending. I wanted to get into something and I started doing rentals. And then I started doing sales. And I started rubbing elbows with people that own multifamily properties all around Boston. And so I'm, I'm like late 20s, early 30s, and I'm dealing with people that are probably in their 40s and 50s. And they were all pretty wealthy. None of them had jobs. They all just were in real estate full time. And I was like, this is what I want to do. <laughs> this so is awesome. I, I, yeah. <laughs> so I got into real estate. The only problem was, so I started buying real estate. I bought a three-family, uh, sold that, bought another three-family, kept that, bought another three-family, subdivided the lot. I got the lot approved. <clears throat> that was in 2007. And then in 2008, the market ended up crashing really bad. So it went from being great, and then all of a sudden, boom, all my properties are underwater. It was a really tough time. Yeah. And then in 2009, 10, 11, 12, though, that was a time when you could buy real estate super cheap. So I started buying real estate then, but I didn't really have a lot of money. So I started using private lenders. And after in 2012-ish, the market started coming back a little bit, or at least it did to me, it seemed like. Mm-hmm. And I thought maybe I got to get into something different. And I said to myself, you know, all these real estate uh, private lenders are making a ton of money off me. I started looking at these HUDs and I'm like, wow, this is like, there's a lot of money we made here. So I decided to go into private lending for, for that reason. And also there weren't, that, there weren't that many lenders in Boston. In fact, there were only like five private lenders in Boston back in 2008 to 2000, maybe 14. And because there weren't that many, this customer service just wasn't that good. And so I thought to myself, I'm going to open up a lending company and I'm going to give like the best service ever. Because I was a borrower. I know what it feels like. The only issue I had was a lot of other people had the same idea. Now there's a lot of private lenders. I think that really helps borrowers out a lot. There's a lot of options out there. Um, But that's my story. That's kind of how I started. I was a borrower myself. And I, I really became passionate for me. And when I was doing real estate, I was as an agent, like you are, mm-hmm. I was helping people and you get like, it feels good, right. To help people. It's awesome. right? <laughs> and, and then you, and you, and then you get your sphere of influence and then people are coming to you for help. It's the same thing as a lender. And now I have a bunch of people that I work with and, and we're, we're, I like to think we're helping them to grow. Right, because they could go to if you go to a regular bank, sometimes it's harder. So we're helping people that did what I, you know, did before. I wasn't overly successful at it. I think most of my customers are probably more successful than I am, but I'm helping them to grow and reach their real estate dreams. I guess that's kind of it. That was corny, but anyway. (laughs) No, it's it's true. I I love that, man. That's that's awesome. You know, like way to kind of like jump right into it, you know. Uh, like owning a couple multis for yourself and like really getting into that sphere. And then <clears throat> you're totally right as an agent. You know what I mean? Like running into some of those people that are like doing what you want to do. 
I'm being like, oh, like these guys can do it. Like, why can't I? You know, I'm I like I, definitely, <laughs> definitely. I I actually find that even I'm I'm turning. I just turned 49, so I'll be 50 next year. But even at my age, what, well, I'll, I'll go back to when I was your age, and people were in their 30s and 40s that were um, entrepreneurs or real estate developers and ahead of me. If you just ask, a lot of those people want to share their knowledge. And I still feel like that now, in age doesn't matter. It's experience is what really matters. Mm-hmm. But I think you can, I think you can learn a lot just from asking. And I think if you want to be an entrepreneur and you want to get into real estate, you start as an agent, you can meet a lot of people that can give you a lot of a, a lot of value even if you even if you don't even never do a, a, a representation and you don't make any real money the the value of just meeting people you probably get it just from hosting this podcast to meet so many people right uh yeah it's um you're definitely right man you know what i mean like that's that was something that was really an eye opener to me like starting to kind of get into like the real estate investing world is like how many people would you know, at the drop of a hat, like go and get coffee with you or like hop on the phone and, and connect and have a conversation. And like, it was just really interesting, you know, like as somebody just kind of jumping into things, like, you know, how would these kind of people react? Like, am I wasting their time? That kind of thing. And for the most part, like 99.9% of people are like more than happy to, like you said, you know, share their knowledge and, and tell their story and just make those, those relationships. And you know, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. And I think, I think some of function of that is that's how we all got to where we are. Most of us, we, we, we had uh, some sort of mentor, whether it was um, like a mentor relationship or not. I'm sure there's, there's probably an agent in your office that's older that has like 50 listings. It's a horse, you know, at the uh. agent, agency. <laughs> In the more you spend time with that person, you start to get just, just, it rubs off on you and you understand what they're doing and it makes you better, whether you want to be an agent or you want to get into real estate and own more properties. It definitely does. You know, it's, it's like osmosis, you know, like who you surround yourself with, like, you know, being the average of the five people you hang out with the most, like if you hang out with rock stars, like it's going to happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, is that, is that, gonna... is that, is it... <laughs> <laughs> Did you get that from like a, um, you know, I, we were talking earlier, I was telling you, like, I used to drive around and listen to uh, the audio CDs, you know, when I was younger. I still yeah. do, actually. I Now it's audible, but back then it used to be the CDs. But is that, uh, is that the five? Is that, is that what they, is that like, you know, quote unquote, that's, that's supposed to be like the truth, like the 80, 20 rule is you're the average of the five people you hang out with? Pretty much. Yeah. I'm not sure who said it originally, but like, I've, I've heard it like all over the place, like podcasts, like people just talking about it, like in, in books <clears> and <throat> stuff. I'm not sure who exactly said it first, but it's something that's like really stuck with me is like, you know, the people that you surround yourself with, like if you surround yourself with, you know, like we're talking about like people who are like aspiring to do big things and like, you know, starting to get deals under their belts or like, you know, have a lot of listings or, or whatever, you know, you're going to gravitate a lot more and build some of those habits, like just from like being around those people. But, you know, like if you're around like a different crowd, like same thing, you know, kind of goes in either direction. Like if you hang out with people that are doing things a lot bigger than you, like, yeah, I mean, you're like, you're going to level up with those people, but like, it also, you know, kind of works on the flip side too. Like if you're kind of hanging around people that, 
aren't really kind of fitting your vision for the long term, I guess you could say it's it's probably going to reflect as well. I think you. I'm going to take my amplifiers off because they're dying. But I think you are totally, <laughs> totally right. In fact, hold on one mm-hmm. second. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the more you talk about that, I think it gives you the confidence too. So when you, it gives you the confidence. So if you're you're buying your first property mm-hmm. uh, in Minster, three family. Yes. FHA, you're going to live in it. Your what's your next goal is probably to buy another three family, but if if everybody that you knew and all your friends were all buying condos or a single family first to live in, you probably wouldn't have that confidence to do it because it takes it's it's a little bit scary. It is <laughs> property where you're buying a property where you may not you but anybody may not be able to afford the mortgage just looking at the mortgage. But then you say, I can't afford it if I can get the rent from these two units. And exactly. that's, a, that's it um, doesn't sound scary, but it is scary. Yeah. And then you've got the confidence to do it because you see other people doing it. And then you might buy five or six of them and start to feel real good. And then other people you see are like, well, that's great. You're buying a three. We only buy 20 unit buildings. <laughs> and then building, you're like, this is even scarier because... <laughs> Like pick up an extra bar ship and say, I'm going to cover that mortgage. Like it could be a $20,000 a month mortgage. Yeah. But if you want bigger buildings, then that's what you get into. So I think that is, uh, that's probably on the, if, on the, get out of the real estate side. I think that's a great lesson. I think if nothing else you get out of, uh, out of this podcast, I would take that. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree, man. You know, it, it definitely is pretty scary and like, I don't know. Like you said, like, especially like the mortgage, you know, like I was looking at the, um, the loan estimate docs and it was saying the mortgage is going to be like 2770 ish or like 3000 was floating around somewhere too. And like, you know, as, as an individual, like if you're just buying, like, like you said, you know, like a condo or a single family, like that's crazy. Like, (laughs) you know, but because you have one, two tenants, um, you know, the, with this property, like there's potential to make like a couple more bedrooms, like a value add kind of thing. I don't know how it all works yet, but you know, I potentially have even like a couple roommates, you know, renting out like one bedroom or whatever, like, you know, in your, like, why would you live in that three family by yourself? Right. I mean, if you had a wife and kids, that might be different, but you should be, you should be making the, 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 you know, that, that, uh, if you have a giant dining room, you know, you know, if you have a giant kitchen, you don't really, excuse me, a giant living room and you don't need the dining room and you, you don't make that dining room into a bedroom and, and live with, you know, two or three roommates and, and get your cash flow up so that you can, you know, buy the next one, give you the confidence to. Exactly. You know, I like, I just, I love the idea of that so much with real estate is like, I feel like it's a lot more of a creative kind of asset. You know, like if you're investing in stocks and stuff, like that's fantastic. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, that stuff's like wicked cool. But like you just like buy it and liquidate it. You know, like you it's a little, bit of, it's a little bit of a like a, a scratch ticket to it. Yeah, pretty much, you know. <laughs> yeah. But with real estate, like, you know, like you can look at it from like a different lens, you know, and especially, you know, like we were talking about earlier, like if you're hanging around with people that are, you know buying like five or six units or 20, you know, like they're going to look at things differently. And, you know, like if you have like extra space or something, like they might look at it different and be like, dude, like 
you can turn that into one or two more bedrooms easy. Like, here's how to do that. You know, and like, like you have a lot more control over the asset. And, um, you know, like you can just kind of do things differently. And I think it's like the coolest thing in the world. You know, like there's there's yeah. nothing out there like that. <laughs> and that's why that's why it can be scary, I think, for people yeah. <laughs> that haven't done it yet, because they don't know. It's not, I think once you get into it, you'll be fine and you'll figure it out pretty quick. And the great thing about real estate is that even though all real estate, they're all a little bit different, yep. you can kind of rinse and repeat a little bit. That's yeah. the cool thing about real estate. If you buy a three family, you can figure out that, okay, I'll find one where the kitchens aren't that nice and they're not utilizing the space correctly for the number of bedrooms. And you go in there and you say, okay, well, now it's, it's you know, the, the, the gross rent is, is 3000 a month. You're going to go in there and after a year, you get the rents up to 4,000 a month. Yeah. Now, you know, the system, and at least you may not know now how to convert a warehouse, but you know, if you buy another three family, you know what to look for. Yeah. And that's huge. You know, it's, it's absolutely crazy. And like, you know, hopefully like area rents are always going to be, you know, kind of going up slowly and it's, um, it's well, pretty Worcester, interesting. Worcester is an ascending market right now, not just because everywhere is an ascending market, but because there's a lot of development going on in Worcester and the amateur uh, Woosocks are all going there. Yes. Development and hotels there. That's a suburb of, of Worcester. So I think I think it's a good spot to buy. Yeah, I, I really like um I really like Lemonster a lot. <laughs> I, I almost bought um I almost bought a property. I, I came very close. I think I maybe got outbid on a, on a five unit. In, in Lemonster, that would have been my first property, and then I ended up, uh, I ended up sticking to Boston. But yeah, so what you, what you could do too is you buy, you do really well, and then um, you have your 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 friends, mm-hmm. and they see you do it, and then if they don't, if they don't want to do it on their own, and you're going to do a second one, now you can influence your friends to do it. Definitely, that's that's where the value is. I think I see a lot of people under thirty. I don't, when I was under 30, we were uh, out on Friday night doing stupid things, not thinking about <laughs> being an entrepreneur and being smart. And I'm a little bit, as much as like everyone wants to make fun of like the generation before them, I think, yeah. but I, I see a lot and uh, it's easier to see because there's social media, there's LinkedIn and Instagram, and then you, people tell their stories. And I think that, you know, so you get a clearer picture of like what's going on. And I see a lot of people in their 20s coming together. So there'll be five or six, maybe 10 friends come together and they're buying multifamilies, not just twos and threes and 20 units. You, you see it on LinkedIn, right? Yeah. Or social, uh, social media. And I think that's, I think I'm just so impressed that people so young, they figured out a way that they can get in. They really can't get in by themselves because yeah. they don't have liquidity and they can come together and buy uh, you know, 20, 40, 100 unit buildings. I saw one. It was in Gardner, which is pretty close to you. And I actually know the name, but I, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say it on the, <laughs> I'm just because I don't know if I get angry or not. But uh, they had it on LinkedIn and they just bought their first, like, I think it was like a 50 unit building. And none of those, those guys were all, in their, they're all like 25. That's that sounds familiar, actually. <laughs> yeah, you probably know really the guys. Familiar. Yeah, you probably know. If you know, you can say, I, just, I don't know. I don't want to hear people out. But. <laughs> no, you're totally right, man. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's absolutely unbelievable. You know, and even like, 
especially, you know, like to have people that know, you know, that have done this before and like, you know, this isn't like their first projects, you know, as like the general partners for something like this, you know, and then can like really boil it down, you know, to everybody that, oh, who knows, you know, maybe you have like a little bit of money in your house or like, you know, savings that you're not really sure what to do with. And like, you can show them like, hey, you know, if you're interested in something like this, like this is, this can be a really crazy option for you, you know, and like to kind of get you in the door and like, you know, see what's going on without, you know, maybe having like too much control right off the bat and having it be like overwhelming and like, you know, a, a really great way to, to maybe kind of get into real estate investing, um, you know, in a, a much more passive kind of way. You, you should be the leader of your group. <laughs> yeah, I think um, there is an opportunity for um, the the younger, the twenty to thirty generation to come together in groups of their friends. You don't have to yeah. go out and like you can do it organically, and yeah. you maybe buy the you can buy the I would buy the first one I would buy I would use FHA by yourself because you can put three and a half percent down and buy a three or a four family the next one you buy if you want to buy a multi-unit especially if you go past the four units you got to come up with 20 percent down you probably come up up with that anyways I think even on a two and three for an investment probably minimum 20 percent down and so you can you can get over that hurdle by coming together and if you need 200 grand that might be a tough hurdle but if you need 20 grand with 90 of your friends that's a hurdle that you can get into yeah and i don't think even if the property is only cash flowing a little bit in the beginning it's not like you need you're not looking to get rich the the, the one thing that i think the 20 and 30 year old generation has is they have some time right yeah they're probably have you probably you can make money at your job and then you can you can build wealth and by the time you're you know 40 years old you might own 10 of those and they might all, they'll all be cash flowing. When you first buy a property, typically your mortgage and your principal interest taxes and insurance is here and the rents are probably like right here. Yeah. But what happens over time, your mortgage is going to stay the same unless you cash out. But what happens over time is the rents go up like this and the insurance goes up a little bit, the water bill goes up a little bit. But it really does this over time. So you're not going to get rich buying multifamilies typically in the first year it's really about five or ten years down the road you're really starting to get the value and not only are you making cash flow but you can also you're paying down the mortgage so the way i look at it, if someone says how much money do you make i would i wouldn't just look and say okay well i made this much money this year i would say how much money did i pay down on all my properties right and you were in an ascending market the, the values of those properties goes up and down it's always probably going to go up over time, but if you just look at just the mortgage alone, if you you're paying principal and interest, so obviously the interest gets taken out. But if you do just the principal alone, I would I would say whatever you're making, add on that that principal pay down because that's adding to your wealth. I love that, man. That's so true. I I really like the way you describe that too, of like kind of opening that mm -hmm. that spread that opens over time. You know, of like your payments and stuff going down, you know, with a couple of things going up, you know, obviously that everybody has. And then like rents increasing or um yeah, you know, like find maybe finding different ways to what's it called? Um, like to make more money on the property, like I don't know, like coin up, 
laundry machines and stuff right. or like extra parking spaces or what have you. And you, and you, you, it's, I think it takes a little bit of uh, experience, yeah. but after you do a few and you'll, you're, you got, you're going to have one under your belt in about 10 days. Hopefully. So, <laughs> and when you start to, you'll, you'll, you'll see, you'll go to see a property and you'll say, I don't think we can get the rents up here. Like this property is kind of maxed out where it is. I think I'll pass on this one. I'm going to find one that is a little bit cheaper, but I know I can go in here and I can, this is a two bed. We're going to make this a three bed. We're going to put coin up here, right? We're going to do the kitchen over and we're going to take the tenant up that's been there for 10 years. It's never had a rental increase because the <laughs> landlord really likes the person. Yeah. We're going to get them out. It's a terrible person I am, but get them out, <laughs> <laughs> turn it into a three bed and then, you know, get optimal rent, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really huge, man. Is like, you know, like going into a property and seeing like a value add potential. So like if there is like extra space or something, be like, oh, like, you know, like I know this guy that's done this before. Like, you know, I've done this in like one of my properties. Like, this is how the process works. Like, oh, you know, this could totally be another bedroom. Or like, you know, if we swap this around like this and like just kind of seeing it from like a different lens. And it's um it's it's pretty important. You know, like like you said, like I feel like, you know, it comes with experience and stuff and especially, you know, kind of stemming back to what we talked about earlier with like just surrounding yourself with the right people, you know, and like, um, just being able to like go to them and they might see things that, that you might not, you know, from a lot more experience. You know, you have such a great sphere of influence through your podcast. You could probably pull together your own team, (laughs) (laughs) but maybe you should do like a networking thing where specific just for people because sometimes with our friends, our friends may not be interested and our sphere of influence doesn't work, but we can get meet people, like-minded people that want to do it. And maybe you could do, you know, you could work it through the podcast. It's a good opportunity. I think that's super interesting, man. I, I like that a lot. I'm, I'm extremely fascinated by, um, you know, like the idea that you were just talking about a couple of minutes ago about you know, like pretty much getting like, you know, a bunch of your friends and stuff together and doing like a, a mini syndication kind of thing. And even like, you know, like you said um, a little bit ago, like if you buy your first property on your own, like with FHA, you know, like three and a half percent down, like, you know, or 5%, you know, a, a really low barrier to entry in the bigger picture, you know, and be able to like go through some of the hurdles and, you know, get like your processes in place. And like, you know, be able to put down like on a piece of paper, like what your numbers look like, like what they'll look like, you know, hopefully a year from now, like a projection kind of thing. And then be able to go to people that are like less, a lot less experienced or like maybe brand new to things. Um, You know, like you throw the idea by them, like, hey, like, you know, I'm trying to get like nine people together for something like this. Like, this is how it works. And just be able to kind of spell it out. Like, you know, like I've done this. And like, just be able to kind of explain like super simple, like, so this is kind of what we're looking at, you know, is this something that, that you would maybe be interested in, in helping out with? If you, if you do it, I'll, I'll be one of your guys. Sweet. You, let's you, do it. You better be in charge. You take the reins. I'll, I'll put some money in. <laughs> That's a deal, Michael. <laughs> but yeah, you know, like it just, it sounds crazy. And like, especially, you know, like being around like greater Boston, like Boston, like houses are expensive out here, you know, I'm like, obviously, Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sorry. No, all I was going to say is they are, yeah. they are. 
But uh, the areas that I'm seeing is uh, not Providence is actually a, another ascending. Everything's an ascending market, right? Because inflation is making stuff go up. And then the real estate market is everything. And low rates is a lot of factors right now. But um, outside of Providence, the suburb of Providence, the suburbs of Providence, I think you can still get multifamilies. And if you look at the cash flow, I think you can, there's value there. Mm-hmm. And then I think the Worcester suburbs or even Worcester itself. I mean, look at you, you're doing Lemonster, right? There's value there. And then I'm not as, as bullish on Western mass, but there is, you can still get value out there. In 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, when I was kind of in buying mode because the values were so low, mm-hmm. man, I, I, you could buy a two or three family in, in like Springfield area for like 40 grand. <laughs> So I just feel like the elastic, it is, but there's a lot of elasticity out there and there's nothing to anchor it where, and if Worcester becomes not like Boston, but like Boston in a way, right. It's a, it's a, like a focal point instead of people driving from Lemonster to Boston, they're actually driving from Lemonster to go to work in Worcester, right. Cause it's infrastructure there now that can anchor it. And I think Providence can anchor around the Providence area. And I think there's, not only if you're going to buy a two or three family for yourself, but if you syndicate with your friends and you're doing a seven unit, a nine unit, a 40 unit, you can do that. And I think those areas, and there's a lot of multis in those areas too. That's super interesting. Honestly, like I've only ever been to Rhode Island like once or twice, but like I've heard, you know, of some people that are like super interested in like some of the markets down there and like, like, Oh, that sounds pretty cool. Like, I think there's a lot of value in uh, the Providence suburbs and mm-hmm. maybe Providence itself. Yeah. It used to be Brockton. Everybody was buying around here and there was great value in Brockton. But, and I, and I remember this was probably quite a while ago. It was probably 2014, but someone had bought me a, a brought me a three family in Brockton and it was like three fifty. I remember thinking three fifty, like that's just way too high. And I don't think you can get a, they're probably 600. I, you can probably find a three family for 750,000 now <laughs> in Brockton. And so if, if you know, cause Brockton's still kind of close enough to Boston, that's where it's anchoring it. But I think now you've got to go to either the Providence or the Worcester suburbs. Yeah. Like somewhere that hasn't really like kind of blown up yet, I guess. in in the bigger picture. Yeah, I think. And I think both of those have like have value, especially Worcester right now, right? Yeah. Because Worcester literally, it's not, a, it's not, it's outside of the market. The market's making everybody, everything go up, right? Because of market conditions. But Worcester outside of the market conditions has this value because infrastructure is being built there. That's so true. Infrastructure, I- jobs, jobs bring people and people bring <laughs> rent, right? People bring <laughs> rent. <laughs> yeah. They're all- they're your they're your customers right renters definitely i i really like that city too man worcester i I was pretty bullish about i was actually looking to buy out there and um like the only thing for me is because like i'm still living in tuxbury right now is like it was an hour away like on a good day like you know the sky's sunny like 70 degrees and everything and like i was just trying to think during during covid (laughs) yeah right (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that was kind of my only thing, but like the amount of 
Exactly. You know, like the infrastructure and like, there's like a million colleges around there and like, you know, all these huge buildings going up. Like it's, it's crazy. Like I, I love that city, especially yeah, from an investment angle. Yeah. You're probably, if you're buying in Worcester, uh, you're probably already paying a little bit more than the property is worth. And the reason is because everybody sees the value, right? Everybody knows that this might be worth X, but the value is going up because, you know, they're putting in this over here, this over here. So I actually think the suburbs of it, you might be able to get a little more value. Yeah. That's super interesting. Yeah. So Michael, what is, um, what's kind of your, your drive and your vision for the long term? You know, that's a great question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, what I'm really, so I love talking about real estate yeah, and I love talking about entrepreneurship. That's why I thought it'd be great to come on your podcast. And thank you again for inviting me. Thank you. <laughs> In a way. So um, I have like, I have two things that drive me and, and, and one is um, I, I'm super competitive I wish I could play like professional sports, just like, you know, five, eight and a half. It wasn't in the cards. <laughs> Not the most athletic guy either, but I love the competition and I love to, I love helping people and just doing what we're doing now, talking and sharing experience, right? You're teaching me things and I'm teaching you things. And the way that I kind of get that satisfaction is from uh, doing real estate uh, finance deals. And so I love deals that are, that are complicated. The more complicated they are, if oh, other lenders said, hey, we can't do that. If, if other lenders can't do it and I can figure out a way that I can protect my investors and do the deal, then I feel like somehow there's all these pieces that I can put them all together. And then I'm in the process helping some group that's you know stuck and, and they're going to lose their, their vision for changing this property into an ad value and I can come in and help. So that's what I, that, to me, that would be like a win-win. And, and if I can make money doing it, then that's great too. But that would be kind of where I'm going. And as far as a, a vision long-term for my, the company, we're actually, we're in a, a building right now and we're in uh, the second floor, which is kind of a small piece of the building. Uh-huh. And we're re- renovating the first floor. We're going to move down there in the spring. And I'm hoping to um, hire some uh, loan officers somewhere in the next few months. So if anybody out there wants to get in and be a hard money lender, excuse me, a hard money uh, uh, loan officer, I would love to bring somebody in. I don't think you really even need experience. Just somebody that maybe, and someone that's doing what you're doing, an investor, but they want another source of income. I would love to get some more loan officers in here. I actually do like 90% of the sales right now. I own the company and I do most of the sales. <laughs> it's like, it's a little overwhelming. Yeah. So I would love to have people come in and be able to, um, if you, you know, you're meeting a lot of people, anybody that you can send my way, I would, I would be uh, really grateful. Of course. Yeah. That's, that's awesome, man. I really love that. You know, that's, um, that's crazy. <laughs> my, my other vision is I have a one-year-old and a two-year-old at my house, and I have a 15-year-old, and my wife wants to have another baby in a few months. So it's it's not not to blow my brains out. (laughs) (laughs) It's like crazy. (laughs) 
Oh, <laughs> oh that's enough. awesome. <laughs> so, Michael, with uh, um, with the company, like, do you guys cover um, like Massachusetts or, or like New England, or what's kind of your your forte? Sure. I guess. <laughs> so, I grew up in Quincy, mm-hmm. and, and I lived in uh, South Boston most of my adult life. And yeah. I, we i had an opportunity this building that we're in right now is in quincy so we do a lot of business probably uh greater boston but yeah. we we're seeing a lot more deals believe it or not suburbs worcester in the suburbs in providence in the suburbs because i'm not i mean I, I didn't uh tell you that story because i just thought of it myself i just see it every day with investors right from experience yeah. so we're in uh, i think right now we're probably focused a lot in Rhode Island, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And then because both of those are hot, it's actually trickling, trickling into uh, New Hampshire a little bit too. So border of New Hampshire, Massachusetts, and uh, Rhode Island. And we're, I, I'm, I was a borrower for a long time, a local guy, and almost all the borrowers that we have here are from Massachusetts. And yeah, we're just local and we're dealing with local people mostly. Um, anywhere from from the first deal to the to the people that are pretty experienced doing um fix and flip type stuff sometimes people use this as a bridge so they'll they'll set up like the the guys that we both know that did the deal in gardner (laughs) so they use bank financing yeah but if Sometimes you um, you you have a good deal. You might put up the money non-refundable on your deposit, or you might just really want to do the deal, and it's a great deal. And sometimes banks are not the fastest or easiest to work with. And sometimes they you get really close to the finish line, and they just say no. Yeah. And so people will call us and say, "Hey, I need like two point seven million next week," which sounds crazy, but for us, that's that's what we do, right? We're yeah. private lenders; we go real fast, so we'll lend. Uh, the bank fails, we'll come in and, and we'll lend on that. Or people just doing like fix and flip projects. You you know, your place in, in, in Lemonster, you're going to buy and live in it. But if you could have bought that property for 300, but it needed like 80 a grand bunch of work, work. <laughs> a bunch of work, yeah. right? But then you'd be into it for 380 instead of or five, 400 or whatever, you know, but it's tough to get a loan from a bank for that acquisition construction loan. So people would come to us you would fix it all up and then you can go get an FHA loan and live in it, or you could, you know, just rent it out or whatever. But that's, that's kind awesome. of the general kind of theme. I'm sure uh, most of your views out there are probably have heard of uh, private lending before. I don't think yeah. it's anything too, too new. <laughs> yeah. That's, um, that's really cool, man. You know, like, um, oh, I just forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. So like, you know, I, I think it's like super important, you know, especially like working with a lot of people that, you know, like you're super close with, like in Boston and then like having them, you know, like tell their friends and like, you know, other people like super local, um, you know, and just kind of having that aspect and like, you know, just having everything like super tight, I guess you could say, you know, and then like people start to tell their friends and like it branches out and like. It is by far, and this transcends to all businesses, no matter what you do, whether you're uh, uh, you know, doing a barbershop or whatever, it's yeah. always word of restaurants, it's always word of mouth. I did get something, though. 
I'm working really hard on getting new business. I got this thing called a business card. Just got it. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> so everything was like, was like, uh, hey, we get a call. We're like, oh, so-and-so gave me a number. Hey, what's up? Blah, blah, blah. You know, that kind of thing. So, but yeah, it's all, it, we're all organic, I think. You're, you're, you are too, right? You're, you're, I mean, you, you're a social media guru, but Jeff, the, the guy who you know sent it, that, that was all word of mouth. Yeah. I yeah, think we connected actually on uh, like Instagram or LinkedIn, I think. And we just headed off and, you know, <laughs> kind of went from there. How are you finding LinkedIn? You like it? I do. I, I love LinkedIn as a platform. The point <clears throat> that I'm at now, though, man, which <laughs> kind of annoys me, is like I've used it so much and like connected with so many people that like it wants to make me pay for it now. And I want to say it's like 50 or 60 bucks a month or something like that, like to continue like using it. And I'm like, yeah. So I've kind of like steered away from it, but like, especially for people just starting off, like I really, really like how LinkedIn, um, how like you can search for people and like put the filters in. So guys, like kind of what I'm talking about, like if you haven't used LinkedIn before is, you know, if you're looking for exactly, you know, like a private lender in Boston, like you can go to LinkedIn, type in private lenders and put in like you know, there's like location. And like, I think there's a couple other filters as well, you know, in Boston and greater Boston and Massachusetts and new England, like, and then, you know, you can meet people like Michael and, you know, Jeff, like, just like searching like that. You know what I mean? Like exactly what you're looking for, like can show up. And like, I kind of wish like, you know, Instagram and, and Facebook were a little bit more like that. So like, you can look for like exactly who you're looking for in like exactly the right spot. But yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I, think, I, I agree. I think LinkedIn is fantastic. It's yeah. it's almost like like the the old school yellow pages, but there's all kinds of content in there. It's yeah. it's unusual if 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 you were looking for not a good example to use. I was going to use you, but your podcast is so many videos. But if you're looking for a private lender and you find someone on LinkedIn. I'm a little bit older, so I, I don't have as much experience with social media as much, but I try to, you know, post stuff about us and you, I do that. So people like know who I am yeah. and that's for better or for worse. They like people look at my <laughs> video plus, I do not want to work with that guy. <laughs> that's fine. But for the most part, you just put you out there yeah. and for better or worse, people will say, I know everything now about this company. This is probably not the company for me. This is the company for me. I think it's great because it really gives you, again, I keep dating myself, but back in the day, you would go into the yellow pages and you'd look for a business, right? And now you can not only look for it, but you can just get so much intimate information about the company. I think it has great value. And I was kind of joking about the business cards where we did get, we are mostly word of mouth, Mm -hmm. but we get business now from LinkedIn and from other social media platforms, yeah. just trying to say, Hey, this is who we are. This is what we do. And if, and there's a ton of options out there and, and you, and I think the, the borrower or anybody looking for any service or product can say, I can probably get the same thing from a lot of different people. I want to pick someone that I think has assuming the same company culture, philosophy, or likability or whatever it is that I want. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I couldn't agree more, man. You know, like it's almost like now, you know, it's 2021, almost 2022. 
like it's almost like if you're not on social media or like online at all like it's it's kind of weird you know <laughs> you know what i mean like i, I don't mean that in the wrong you're, way you're, people, you're, you're, but... you're living you're living you're living in a house with the shades pulled and all the lights off. <laughs> <laughs> exactly you know? my phone's not ringing i can't for a while that's the thing you know like everybody is is so like focused on social media now and yeah. like i i think it's really valuable what you said about you know like if your company or like you as an individual like your brand is on social media like people can vet you you know a lot easier and like see like you know kind of like just on their end like you don't know you know if you're somebody that they would want to work with you know and like or, or even or even work for in fact we're small we have like six people here but half the people here more than half the people here i got from linkedin yes for me, awesome. being talking one day, uh, in fact, Emily uh, Scanlon, she just got married, so I didn't say her name right. <laughs> she's not here, but she's in the office next door. She works remote on Fridays. She runs this company. She worked for one of my competitors for eight years. And I would have never known that she was even, that particular lender was winding down. I would have never known that. But we shared stories back and forth just lender to lender, like, Hey, what are you doing? How was your day? You know, did any, did anybody torture you today? Did you torture <laughs> today? That kind of stuff. And, and then one day she said, Hey, uh, the gentleman I'm working for is winding down. You know, are you hiring? And it just so happened to be right after the pandemic, we were kind of going through a growth period. Yeah. So I'm, I'm indebted. Um, again, I'm a little bit older, so I was a little anti-social media, but now I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. I love that, man. You know, like, especially what you said a minute ago about like just putting yourself out there and like just the power from that you know like in the the example <clears throat> that, that you just said like like you guys were you know like doing some crazy stuff and like you know certain events were happening you know with this person and like their other company and like you know finding you from did she find you from linkedin sorry <laughs> or like on I don't remember on the LinkedIn part which one of us was the genesis of, of it, <laughs> but we we had never met, but we had spoken quite a few times. Yeah. Probably commented on each other's posts on something. Yeah. Well, I would came from, and like that's a really big one that you just said right there is like the ability to like maintain relationships like in today's day and age. Like if you have each other on social media and like you know, both of you guys are posting what you're doing and like projects that you're on and like, you know, people that you're working with, like, it's so easy now, you know, just to support each other. And like, it's literally like, you know, you click a couple buttons and like, you know, leave a little bit of feedback, like, oh, I like, keep killing it, man. Like you're doing great. And like, like you're just like maintaining a relationship, you know, it could be like, you know, across the U S or like, you know, across the state or something like that. And you know, I know, like I told you, you're building. <laughs> yeah, you can support each other. You can also educate each other. Like I talk to my competitors on LinkedIn and say, "Hey, how you doing?" Because I, I most of them are pretty cool. I like them. We, you know, we might yeah. fight over clients occasionally, but for the most <laughs> part, we share information with each other. Yeah, and, and then I also think there's a huge benefit to the to the to the to the people to anybody, me or anyone who's looking for something, because yeah. you can also. Um, you said vet, and I, I was thinking more so, I want people to know, 
like really our company culture and me and, and Jeff and Emily, like I wanted to know us and to make sure like they're excited to come. We're excited to work with you. You're excited to work with us. And if not, and somebody else is, that's cool. You know, we'll be, you know, you can be happy and do whatever you do. But also if there are people who may have um, not the best business practices out there, and then those will come to light through social media. And I think it, it makes the whole like environment, uh, whatever environment you're in, this is the real estate environment, but it, it sheds a light on all of us. And that just keeps us all on our toes and makes it better. Yeah. It, I feel like social media kind of exposes us. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> exactly. You know, like it's right. going to show off you know, like your intentions and like, you like your execution and stuff, whether it's like, you know, doing some like really crazy stuff and like helping out like so many people and like, you know, doing this, like these really, really bigger picture, like, you know, giving value to everybody kind of things or not so much, (laughs) you know? And like, yeah, I mean, even on, um, like if you go to Google and like, you know, people leaving like Google reviews and stuff, like anybody can do that, you know? And like, then when they look up, you know, like your business or whatever it is, like people can see like their experiences and like, it's, it's literally like clicks away. Like it's crazy. Right. Yeah. That part, that part, I don't like quite as much. Cause I, yeah. feel, <laughs> I have I a friend who owns two uh, nightclubs, restaurants during the day, nightclubs at night. And yeah. he has so, and he, the place is great, but he has so many, like, I feel like a lot of bad reviews that are unwarranted sometimes, yeah. you know, that can be better or for worse. But, um, but I think, that's what I kind of like about LinkedIn. Yeah, it's not really about it is. It's not about reviews in the sense of I'm going to give this. I'm going to give. I'm going to after this podcast. I'm going to give you X stars, right? Yeah. <laughs> more, more about like if I want to, to do business with you, I click on some of your videos and just see who you are. Exactly. Like, that's a much better representation than somebody else's no comment one star. Yeah, <laughs> and, like you don't know the story. You know, like if you can, like, like you said, like if you can physically like go on their page and like, you know, see them doing a video or like, you know, posting something like, you know, giving value to people, like you can kind of like get a a dig into like their personality and like, you know, like their company and stuff. Like if they're just like giving out information, like and helping people, like that's awesome. You know, like that could be somebody that, that you want to work with. Like, you know, this guy sees like you know, the bigger picture of like wanting to help out everybody. And then, you know, like, you, like, it, it's just kind of like building a presence, you know, yeah, like, it, it might, it might be a good space to, if we relate it back to the real estate side, I think if you want to syndicate, if you want to get started, yeah, there's, there's a lot of people I think that you could find that you like, that you may not even be ready to engage in any kind of a business transaction. You just want some information there are plenty of people I think online that'd be happy to share that information and may have already shared it. You just have to read it online or watch it. So there's a great value. I think even if not a business transaction, just to, for an education standpoint in LinkedIn and other social media platforms as well. But I bet just from watching your videos for a bunch of people that are maybe have a nine to five job and want to get into an entrepreneurial type of thing, or want to get into real estate, they can educate themselves right there. Yeah. Like one thing that that really kind of blew my mind, man, was like how many people like might be into this kind of stuff, but like 
they might be like nervous or, you know, like so early to things that like, they don't want to like post and stuff about it. And like, you know, maybe <clears throat> like people won't like think that well about them or something, or like, you know, they're doing something like, that's not like, like kind of stupid or, or something like that, or, you know, not supportive. And like, as soon as you put yourself out there, like once in a while, people come out of the woodwork that like, it's like the craziest thing. Like it, it happens like once in a great while, you know, like there were a couple kids I went to high school with, you know, that like, I've never really talked to, you know, like been around them and stuff. And like, as soon as you start putting yourself out there and like just doing your thing and, and, you know, just running Genu- with and being genuine, yourself, yeah. not like a fake self, but like exactly. being genuine. Very endearing, I think. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, and like people will just come out of the woodwork and be like, "Dude, like, like I'm into this kind of thing, but I'm not really sure where to start." And then all of a sudden, you have a conversation, you know, and like you meet for coffee, and like you know, maybe bring them to like a meetup or something like that, or you know, an event or something. All of a sudden, they're meeting more people. Like they tell them about like certain books and podcasts. Like you could have like totally just like changed somebody's life you know, because you're just like doing your thing and and people see that, you know, like, I feel like that's one of the most like powerful things in, in today's day and age is just like building a presence online, you know, cause like you said, even like, you know, like something like LinkedIn, like if somebody types in like real estate and like Boston, like who's going to come up, you know, like agents, uh, like lenders, investors, like you know, and if those are people like in your sphere, I mean, even like really in any business, like if you wanted to get into, I don't know, like we were talking about earlier, like if you wanted to buy like a franchise or, or like a restaurant or something like that, like, yeah, it's, you know, like, where do I start? I mean, like you could start like, hop, like, you know, if you went on LinkedIn or like social media or something and see who's doing that in your area, you know, and like reach out and like, see who has a, a has a presence in that field. And kind of see yeah you got you can immerse yourself into that ecosystem exactly yeah <laughs> you know it's it's such a powerful thing yeah I, I for me it's new yeah but i like it <laughs> you know this it's... is my second, my second podcast <laughs> <laughs> well, <man. laughs> that's awesome so Ooh, so Michael, what do you consider to be the biggest variable in expanding your clientele? We Ooh. we talked a little bit about, you know, a couple of different things in there, but <laughs> well, that's a good question. I haven't really focused so much on expanding the clientele or my borrow base or growing my business as black and white and think how do we get another customer in the door? I'm new to social media, so I didn't really know how to do that. But what I thought was, we're just going to put, this is for just for social media, I guess. We're going to put content out there and we just want uh, people to see what we do and who we are. Yeah. And, and I think if you can do that, and obviously you have good experience, you've been doing it for a while, you have good products. I think what happens is either um, maybe old clients come back to you, new clients call you up. I have, so I just started doing social media like about a year ago mm-hmm. and I just started reaping the benefits recently. <clears throat> but I have people call me that I don't know who they are anymore. 
calling my cell phones. You know, I got your number off of uh, LinkedIn. I got your number off of social media. So we haven't really focused specifically on scaling and growing a business saying, how do we advertise or how do we do this? or How do we do that? We're just trying to get out there and get our name out there. And I, again, I know I'm really appreciative that you asked me to come on. <laughs> really good following and good, good customers. I think a lot of people that want to get into real estate, I think are the kind of people that I think eventually may come to us, even exactly. yourself. You're using FHA on this deal. Mm-hmm. You stay in real estate. It's only a matter of time before you end up using a private lender. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Definitely. You know, like eventually you're going to run out of capital, <laughs> you know, like trying to do it. Run out of capital plus like- it's- <clears throat> yeah, I have a lot of borrowers that can, that can actually go to a bank. They're, in fact, our average credit score is probably 700. All of our customers, they're all bankable. Yeah. And it's not like we do no, we don't do no money down. Borrowers put down a decent amount of money. Our rates are that much higher uh, than a bank. In fact, we're probably lower than most lenders. Mm-hmm. But people use us, I think, for the convenience and the, the, the just the, the speed and convenience is yeah. why people use private lenders. Yeah. Closing in two or three weeks, surety of execution, and then and then just the, the, the easiness. You know, right? You, you we talked about this uh, offline a little bit. <laughs> how you got a little bit tortured, right? You yeah. went, <laughs> what was the name of the program you doing? Uh, the, the MHP one. It's like a mass housing. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I never heard of MHP one. It sounds like a sounds like a like a coronavirus. Uh, <laughs> it was that, and then you went to FHA, and you had to do different appraisals, learning lesson, right? Oh, 100%. And then on the commercial side, it's even harder. And so that's one of the reasons why I think it's easy to use private lending. There's a shameless plug right there. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's huge, man. You know, and like, I don't know too, too much about private lending, like quite yet, but it's, um, it sounds like extremely powerful. And like, you know, like we were talking about earlier, like there are going to be, you know, some of those properties that a regular bank won't lend to. You know, if it needs like a ridiculous amount of work and like, you know, like you guys are there to be able to finance that, like get that project going and, and, and keep rolling, you know, I think it's the coolest thing in the world. Like, especially to be able to close in like, you know, like a couple of weeks and like, like all this crazy stuff, like go, 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 go. Like it's, that's wicked cool. (laughs) We had this year, maybe two or three closings that we did in 24 to 48 hours. Oh my and God. what happened was the borrowers went to conventional financing the day before they were supposed to close for whatever reason, the, the bank wouldn't finance the deal and their deposit was either in jeopardy and, or they wanted to close on the deal no matter what. Yeah. And the title was already run. Everything was done because the bank attorney had already done everything, but they had backed out. And uh, that's cool. Doing a closing in 48 hours. Like crazy, crazy. <laughs> That's absolutely insane. Wow. So, Michael, how do you define wealth? This is one of my favorite questions to ask people. (laughs) Would I be too corny if I said, like, I judge a man's wealth by how many children he has? (laughs) No. (laughs) 
Oh my God. Or out your insanity, your insanity, maybe. Um, I think that uh, there is, I would just take wealth almost and just throw it out the window and just talk about what financially makes you happy. And you can get, I can get happiness out of closing a deal, whether I'm buying a deal or helping someone else out because deals are hard to do. And then there's that competitive satisfaction of getting a deal done, right? Just like somebody broke something and me, I can't fix anything in a car. I can put barely put gas. I feel you, man. (laughs) Barely put gas. Like I'm I'm like, it's raining out. I'm just going to the the full service. (laughs) But I would think if mechanic had this problem, no one else can fix. And that guy says, I can fix it. That person says, I can fix it, right? That probably gives them a pretty good feeling like, hey, I fixed it. Well, I feel like that about lending or doing a deal. You can get satisfaction out of it. But there's also the income part, right? You can make money doing doing uh, real estate transactions and you can gain um, like long-term wealth where maybe you own $10 million worth of real, you've been doing it for 10, 20 years, you own $10 million worth of real estate and those properties cash flow and you're making money. But a lot of times if you do that, you're in a position where maybe you're not making a lot of money in the beginning. So in the beginning, you might, some of your properties might be actually making 200 bucks a month, but the refrigerator goes and it's $2,500. Yeah. <laughs> you're cash flowing 24 for the year. And now you're you, you, the, the last day of the year, the fridge goes and you went from yeah. making 2500 to losing a hundred bucks. Right. <laughs> so in the beginning, so there's like suffering in the beginning, I think for me, there was, yeah. In the beginning, it was tough, and I had, and I was young, and I had friends that had started um, entry level positions, and and as we got older, they started to make more money and move up the corporate ladder, and that's a great, that was a great path for them, and there were times in my life where I thought I had made the wrong decision because I hadn't made it yet, because success, I think in general, and and at least I think in real estate too even though you're always stacking bricks and trying to buy more properties and get your cash, success doesn't really do like, it doesn't really go like this. It kind of does like this. And then you spike up and, and you kind of do that. You spike up again. And so uh, there were times in my life where I was, you know, doing this for so long that I started to lose faith yeah. and it's difficult. And, and, and I stuck with it. And eventually I got up to there where for me, I, I can, I can, um, I still need to work, but I guess I could work less if I really wanted to and try to live off my properties. Yeah. I don't want to do that. I still enjoy working, but I think there's two kind of paths that you can take and there's value to both. But um, the wealth part, I mean, if you go and you take the, the job route and you're making two or 300 grand a year, it, it is, right? You're, you're making great money. So you have, you have great money coming in every month, yeah. right? Or $500,000 a year. But are you really creating like true wealth? I don't, I don't know if you really are. Or if you take the other path, you might be eating ramen noodles a lot. And, <laughs> and you, not be, you may have roommates, right? And you may live in a multifamily and you may not drive the car that you always want if you want to take that other path. But I think the other path at the, at the end... I think it's, you can, I mean, again, everybody's different, whatever you're looking for as an individual. Yeah. If you're okay having a little bit less on the short term 
and you want it for the long term, I, I, I think that real estate and entrepreneurialism is the way to go. All right, guys, that concludes our Creating Wealth podcast episode for today. I want to thank every single person that has listened this far. It really means a lot to know that people can learn from me and with me as we build wealth together. Hopefully, you can take home at least one thing from this podcast that will improve your life just a little bit. If you could, please check me out on social. That's at Kyle Curtin Real Estate on Instagram, Facebook, and I'm on Bigger Pockets. Until next time, let's build together.